Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to FastGrowingTrees.com. Use promo code BILL at checkout. A bold prediction to make this evening. Are you ready for a bold um, prediction? If you're not ready, you got to leave the room or you got to turn us off because this is bold. Okay. So if the Democrats lose the House and the Senate in two weeks, my prediction is that President Biden will be under pressure to resign from his own party and will eventually quit. Now, that's about as bold a prediction as you're going to get. Because the party understands that it is Biden himself that is dragging down pretty much the whole progressive vision with uh, his demeanor, Biden's demeanor. So once again, Dems lose the House and the Senate two weeks from today. Biden comes under pressure. Not going to hear a lot of that pressure publicly, but it'll be there privately. And I don't think he's going to make out his last two years. He'll resign for health reasons. Now, here's a backup for the Talking Points memo. I'll provide you some information you may not know. So yesterday, um, Joe and Jill Biden at a nice ceremony honoring, honoring a guy named Dale Henry, who's the chief uh, of White House grounds, the groundskeeper. He's been at the White House for 50 years, Mr. Henry. That was a nice ceremony. They gave him props and, and, and everything was nice. The problem started after the ceremony was over. Go. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Haney, would you awesome. like to say anything about working I'll, here I'll, I'll for 50 years? Forever, Okay. So you're wandering around again. Now, I believe, and I'm giving benefit of the doubt to Joe Biden, that he was making a joke there. I want to go the other way. He wasn't serious about that. But he didn't know which way to go. He doesn't know where he is. And as we uh, demonstrated yesterday, um, he says stuff like, yeah, I, 
uh, I passed a student debt forgiveness loan in Congress when he didn't. That never happened. I mean, that's it. if this doesn't disturb you, then nothing will do, ever disturb you. Okay, so um, the most severe mistake in this whole campaign that was made by anyone, any Congress, Senate, governor, anyone, the most severe political mistake was this. Roll the tape. Yes, our economy is trying as hell. The internal. Inflation is worldwide, worse off everywhere else than the United States. So the problem is the lack of economic growth and sound policy in other countries, not so much ours. And that's how it's worldwide inflation that's consequential. The optics of that are just horrible. Let them eat cake. Let them eat ice cream. And it's just not true. Americans are suffering because of Biden. And again, I'm not even going to be, uh, I'm not going to be repetitive, but all you got to do is go back to the last year of Trump and compare the inflation rate, compare the gross national product, compare everything. And it's not even in the same hemisphere. And Biden's ruined the economy. Ruined it. Here, not in Belgium. Doesn't matter what they do in Belgium. And there he is with the ice cream cone, arrogant as hell, telling everybody the economy is strong as hell when it isn't. Stock market doesn't drop 3,000 points in less than three months when the economy is strong. It just doesn't happen. That, what you just saw, clinched it for independent voters who are suffering. They go, what are you doing? You're that disassociated from reality? And the answer is yes, he is. He's that disassociated. So now they can't even send Biden out to do anything anymore. So they send his surrogate, Pete Buttigieg. Go. Can anybody name the top five things that they've suggested to fight inflation? Can anyone name three? How about one? You know, they voted no on the Inflation Reduction Act that was about lowering prices for Americans. Talking about the Republicans. Well, you don't have to name anything. All you have to do is go back to the Trump administration, which was run by a Republican president. That's all you got to do and say, well, Trump did this and it worked. Trump did that and it worked and Biden dismantled it. That's all you got to do, Pete. And look, I'm not going to debate this Inflation Reduction Act, but if you think spending more federal money is going to reduce inflation, you're out of your blank and mind. You know, you are the director, the secretary of transportation, and we have the worst airline situation in the history of the country under you, Pete. So forgive me if I, you have no credibility whatsoever on the public policy scene. Okay, that's the memo. Now, the president's schedule today. He got a flu shot, fifth one, okay? Okay, he gets a flu shot. And then he says everybody should get a flu shot. The problem with everybody getting a flu shot is why should we get a flu shot? Uh, not a flu shot, a COVID shot, which is the same thing as a flu shot. It's, it's the same thing. And I say that because a flu shot is expires. You got to get every year. Okay, so the COVID shot and the flu shot are the same. Now, I'm getting a flu shot, okay? I should have gotten it already, but I'm going to get it. 
But the, I have four COVID shots. But I'm not getting a five COVID shot unless my doctor tells me why I should get it. My doctor, not CDC. And where are they on this? So Biden, if he really believed that the COVID shot was necessary, should have actually had a press conference and said, look, this is why I got it. This is what it's going to do. No, he just gets it because it's a show. Drives me nuts. So you guys know the name Stephen A. Smith. He's ESPN's uh, biggest star right now, in my opinion. I mean, Tony Kornheiser is amazingly charismatic, but uh, Stephen A. Smith, he's the big name. He's a big gun over there. But Smith is not satisfied with being the sports major domo. He now wants to get into politics. Here he is on the Mars show. Go. Way on earth that you agree with everything. But you, you can run across people who are like-minded and they don't agree on everything, but they've tried to convince us because of this two-party system we're dealing with that you're either on the right or you're on the left and you can't be independent. So Smith joining us now from New York City uh, has a political podcast, No Mercy Podcast. You talk sports too, but you talk to pinheads like me too uh, about I wouldn't call it a political podcast. It's just that I'm not restricted to sports. I talk politics. I talk news. I talk pop culture and entertainment. I talk it all, and that's how I like it. And um, the fact that I don't have any limitations whatsoever, that's what appeals to me. And the way I look at it, I've, you know, I've been on with Bill O'Reilly on numerous occasions, Sean Hannity with numerous occasions, Mark Levin, numerous occasions. I've been on CNN, MSNBC. Hell, everybody calls me anyway, so I might as well have my own podcast to talk about these issues too. But why do you want to do politics? I mean, why do you want to get into that uh, world where you know you're going to be vilified? It's bad in sports. I know it is, but it's not nearly what it is in politics. Um, but number one, because I care. Number two, because I'm not scared. Number three, because as a black man, I think it's incredibly important that we bring some balance into the equation. Like, for example, I'm a registered independent, Bill. Um, there are Democratic policies I agree with. There are. I'm a fiscal conservative, though. I, I don't like paying it. I don't like the high taxes in New York. I don't like the high taxes in California. But more importantly than anything else, it's just a pet peeve of mine. Certainly not trying to come across as a political aficionado because I certainly don't know what you know, what your man Chris Cuomo, who showed you going on tonight, knows. I'm not on that level. I'm not pretending to be. But I've got common sense, and I read, and I pay attention to some degree. One of the things that I don't like as an African-American in this country is that we've got one side. We don't really have representation, and here's what I mean by that. We've got a Democratic Party, for example, although I agree with some of their policies because I'm a social liberal to some degree. I don't like the fact that your plan on convincing me to vote for you instead of Republicans is painting everybody as racist and demagoguing them. I don't like that. Tell me what your policies are. Let them tell me what their policies are and let me make the choice as to which policies better suit me and better suit my community, as opposed to engaging in hate mongering and fear mongering and allowing that to manipulate how we vote as a community. I think on far too many occasions we're seeing that. And then all of a sudden when folks get into office, we find out that we really don't have any representation because we didn't pay attention to how they were going to truly vote on the issues that are pertinent and relevant to our community. And that's, no, that's pretty noble. And I, and I like that answer. I think that's a well thought out answer. But it's very hard to be an independent in New York. I am like right. you. I'm a registered independent. 
Mm-hmm. But the Democrats have screwed the state up so badly, I can't possibly vote for any of them. And I oh, did last well, time around. I voted for a couple yeah. of Democrats last time around. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. now. That's oh, how bad oh, this be, state is. Well, well, let me be very, very clear. I don't normally agree with Bill O'Reilly, as Bill O'Reilly knows, because you've known me for years now. But I agree with you on that. I wouldn't vote for Hochul. I'd be the first to tell you that. I'm not apologetic about that. And crime does matter. Now, I'm mindful and I pay attention to things from an historical perspective, to at least to some degree. I remember back in the days when the Nixon administration used law and order to scare the living daylights out of folks in the curry boats. I've seen numerous people, numerous politicians do that throughout the years. But it doesn't mean that you're wrong in this situation if you point to that in New York City. I am born and raised. I was born in the Bronx, raised in Hollis, Queens, New York City. I have never seen it as bad as it is today. It I'm mindful. Been. It's, it's never bold. been as bad. And, and, they don't fear the authorities. They, they, the they criminal don't, they element. Don't, and they shouldn't. You got people getting left out and let out of jail but without here, here's even a, Here's the worst it's part ridiculous. about it. The worst part about it is right. in the neighborhoods in which you grow up yep. and other neighborhoods today, the okay. elderly good people, Yes. I don't care what the color they are. This okay? is, I got you. They can't go to the grocery store. Yeah. All right. And the little kids can't go to the park because there's right. drug addicts injecting themselves with narcotics right in front of them and their mom. Well, that's, let me say this. To that's you. a total that's breakdown. Happened. That's happened. But I can tell you, as a guy that grew up in Hollis and the whole drug thing was very, very prevalent. Bill, as a community, we can work our way around that. What we can't work our way around is the violence. The fact that you're young, you're old, it doesn't matter who you are. Violence is is just sifting through our community like a virus. It's nonstop. You got people being attacked in the subways. You got people being attacked at bus stops. You got people defending themselves in delis but by felons assaulting them and getting thrown in jail for 30 days right, before right. a push it, it is, is made way out that of whack it's out, it the, is out of control the most powerless people are getting hurt much that is correct more than you and me because we can protect ourselves we have resources they do not now right. i sent you uh my book killing the legends the lethal danger of celebrity early because mm-hmm. i wanted to get your take on muhammad ali perhaps the mm-hmm. most successful African-American athlete in history. You can make an yes. argument for that. Yes, and what I lay out about Ali is that his life, even though he accomplished so much, was crushed because he was betrayed and he could not handle his celebrity. What say you? Betrayed by whom? The nation of Islam, who took over his whole life who took money from him at an astronomical degree and kept him fighting when his own doctor said, no, the nation of Islam, Herbert Muhammad, put Mm -hmm. him in the ring. I am not familiar with that. What I am familiar with is how Don King robbed a few people. There's that. Well, I don't talk about King now. So you didn't read, you didn't read the Ali part of the book. So I'll lay it out to you. Okay. You need to read it. Because if you're going to do a no mercy podcast, this is no mercy. So here you have an Olympic gold medal winner comes back to the United States, proud, all of this. He signs up with the Nation of Islam. Who heads that now? Louis Farrakhan. 
So we know what that is. They take over his whole life. His whole life descends into chaos. I open with the thriller in Manila where Joe mm-hmm. Frazier almost killed him. Yes. Almost yeah. killed Ali and, Fra- and Ali almost blinded and him. And Ali almost Frazier. killed him. Yeah. Almost blinded him. Right. Ferdy Pacheco says to Ali, you can't fight for a year after this beating because you're almost dead. Four months later, Herbert Muhammad books him for another fight. And when I, when I was writing this, I was so stunned that this could happen to a guy like Muhammad Ali. And it's well, important that people that. know what celebrity is. I will tell you this. You can look at it that way. And I won't and l- listen. Here's what I would tell you. Let's take into account the times that we're living in, because we find ourselves as African-Americans in this nation encountering such issues. It's the year 2022. Bill, with all the black folks that you see on TV, the position that I'm in, doing first take every morning on ESPN, having the number one show for 11 years, you can relate to that with how long you were on top doing your show on Fox News for two decades, for crying out loud. When you have that voice and that quote-unquote bully pulpit, per se, people come to you for a lot of things that they want you to serve. And especially when you're black, one of the things that I'm popularized, that I'm very popular for saying is, White folks go to work every day with a job to do. Black folks come with a responsibility because we always feel like there's so few of us in these peak in these in these on these perches in these ideal conditions that people will come to you asking you to do things that ain't even relevant to you. They came to me asking me to speak about Trayvon Martin. They wanted me to speak about George Floyd and stuff like that. And I'm a sports I'm a sports analyst. This is what the expectation was. So now rewind the clock to the 70s when Ali was at his height. And he was doing all the things that he was doing. And the Nation of Islam, along with black people universally across this country, were trying to elevate in American society. Civil rights had just been passed in 64. The Voting Rights Act passed in 65. But there were still mountains that you had to climb, which Malcolm X, before he was assassinated, articulated. Which Dr. Martin Luther King articulated before he was assassinated. So that pressure that was brought to bear, it wasn't just about money. It wasn't just about, you know, padding the wallets of people. People wanted to use whoever had a profound voice for a multitude of reasons to help uplift a community. At least that's what they were saying. I don't so buy the, the noble. That you're articulating that about uh, Muhammad Ali. Right, I'm gonna, I hope you'll come back after you read Killing the Legends because there was no nobility involved in that at all. It was a okay. pure money play, just like Elvis Presley was sold out by his manager, Tom Parker. Ali was sold out by Herbert Muhammad, and there's no yeah. doubt about it. It was no higher calling here. Okay, tell yeah. me about No Mercy Podcast. I like the name. So if I come mm-hmm. on, uh, you're, you're not going to have any mercy on me? I'm, I'm older uh, than uh, you, uh, Stephen. Uh, come on. Remember, it's, remember, it says K-N-O-W to No Mercy. It doesn't say No Mercy. Like, it says K-N-O-W Mercy. Okay. Oh, so No I Mercy. mercy. I so my producer has it wrong here. So it's K-N-O-W. <laughs> All right. All right, well, exactly. I'm a little merciful, not too much, but a little That's bit. Right. Exactly, exactly. You know, and so the point is, is really, you know, obviously I'm willing to tackle any issues that are pertinent and relevant, but more importantly, I also want to touch on issues that are not only percolating, but direct people to folks that they should be listening to. The kind of intel that they can receive from listening to people who have substantive things to say. I interviewed Chris Cuomo already. I interviewed Sean Hannity already. Those are two people on the opposite ends of the spectrum. My whole point is listen to both sides. Take from it what you will. Ask the pertinent questions that people care about and then make them have their own judgment. Same thing with Bill O'Reilly. When I had Bill O'Reilly on, 
essence is going to be along those lines. It's going to be about you. It's going to be about what you feel. It's going to be how you came to draw the conclusions that you've drawn on a multitude of issues that have affected and impacted your life along with the inordinate amount of audience that you've had throughout the years. It's, ba it's basically telling those stories and just not being limited. I'm very proud to be working for ESPN. I've been very blessed and fortunate to achieve what I have, but I've never wanted to be limited to just one genre. The opportunity All right, you can watch Stephen A's No Mercy with a K, three episodes a week, so you're the yes. busiest guy around. We also got a book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes coming out in January. You can order that yes. on Amazon, pre-order that. So you're a busy guy. You're a successful guy. I know you love your country because you couldn't have done it anywhere else on earth. Um, that's right. And that's something we want to talk about on your podcast. And I'll, yes. when you invite me on, Stephen, I'll take it easy on you. I'll, 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 uh, you know, I'll, I'll carry you through it. I appreciate that, man. Thank All you right. so much. That'd be so kind of you, Bill. And we appreciate you coming on tonight. Stephen right, A. Smith, everyone. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Okay, so um, this is another sign of the times. Syracuse University... Uh, has an transactional records access clearinghouse to get data. And good for them at Syracuse University, get data. They found out that this year alone, about 64,000 cases where migrants had been deported or had been turned down for what they requested had been lost. Gone. Okay, do you know that? I didn't know that. And the excuse is that Homeland Security is so overwhelmed by the two million that have come in this year alone that they can't adjudicate the cases. Now, that sounds logical, but that means that 65,000 people who should not be allowed here are going to stay here. Because the judge is going to rule, well, the government screwed it up, so we're not going to kick you out. Unbelievable. And I mean that word literally. So what does Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have in common? They have something in common. Roll the tape. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. 
the right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the <coughs> power to overturn presidential elections. Oh, what a bunch of hooey. <laughs> so, those white supremacists, right-wing extremists, yeah, they're working to get our rights. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But Trump says the same thing. But it's left-wing extremists on his side. The elections are phony. And Hillary said elections are phony. Now, the elections aren't phony, but they're improvements that have to be made by the individual states because that's the Constitution. Each state is responsible for running the vote in that state, in the borders of that state. Feds don't have anything to do with it. Supreme Court can rule based on evidence, but that's a bunch of hooey. Okay, so there's another book out um, that I want you to consider. It's called The Envoy, Mastering the Art of Diplomacy with Trump and the World. It was written by, it is written by, the former ambassador to the EU under the Trump administration, uh, the former president hired and dismissed Gordon uh, Sondland, who joins us now from New York City. Mr. Ambassador, nice to have you in. Uh, I was reading your book it last written, night. It is written by. I'm not dead. No, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I'm brain dead, and that's why I make those uh, tense uh, problems. So I read your book last night, you. and I couldn't really get a handle. You testified in front of the impeachment committee, and, and Trump was impeached on this call that he made to Zelensky in Ukraine about looking into the Biden situation. You testified. You never said, as far as I can see, that Trump did anything unconstitutional. Is that correct? That's 100% correct, Bill. Okay, so you never said that. But you weren't exactly sticking up for Trump, thereby giving the dishonest opposition a pathway to say, well, Ambassador Sondland, he wasn't a fan of Trump, and he thinks he did stuff wrong. Would that be correct? Well, listen, Bill, my job wasn't to stick up for President Trump, nor was it to hurt President Trump. I didn't want to testify in the first place. I would have been happy to go back to Brussels and get back to my job. I can't say the same thing about some of the other witnesses who clearly had an agenda to undermine the administration, both when they were working in the administration and afterwards when they testified. All I wanted to do was get in front of the committee, tell the truth, not commit perjury, and get out of there. And if that helped the president, great. If it hurt the president, I'm sorry. But the truth is the truth. Okay. Admirable. Now, my analysis of the situation was the impeachment was a farce, that Trump really didn't do anything wrong. He wanted to find out if there was corruption involving the Biden family and if Ukraine was helping in the Russian collusion stuff. That's what he wanted to find out. You know I know Trump for 30 years. So when Trump talks to you, as he did to Zelensky on the phone call that everybody saw, Trump said it was perfect. He basically says, look, we need to find out what happened. Number one, I think that's a legitimate thing to try to find out. Was there a problem or corruption involving the Biden family? Am I wrong on that? 
Well, let me narrowly focus the conversation on my role because I can only speak to what I knew and what I did, not what happened uh, outside of my knowledge or, or my, my presence. Uh, when we got back from Ukraine, we being myself, Secretary Rick Perry, Kurt Volker, and others in our delegation, we were pretty excited about Zelensky. We liked him. Uh, we didn't realize he had the kind of balls that he has, but we liked him. Uh, no one would know that until this war started. So we went in to, to talk to the president. We said, look, just get this guy in for a meeting. You're going to like him. What happens after that, who knows? And Trump wasn't having any of it. He was cranky. He didn't like Ukraine. He didn't want to hear about Zelensky. And he wanted to push the whole thing off onto Rudy Giuliani, which we all looked at each other and said, what the hell does Rudy Giuliani have to do with this? He's not a part of the administration. He's your lawyer. And Trump said, well, if you want to do anything on Ukraine, talk to Rudy. So unfortunately, we were forced to deal with Rudy on this issue, not with the president. And what Rudy told us, again, we don't know if it came from Rudy or the president, was very simple. There was an old investigation. Wasn't, there was no description of what the investigation was about. It was just about corruption. It was an investigation on corruption started by Zelensky's predecessor. All Trump wanted, according to Rudy, was that that investigation would be cranked up again, which, by the way, Zelensky campaigned on that issue, that he was going to open up new investigations or restart old ones into corruption. And that's all Trump wanted. He wanted a public announcement that Zelensky would restart an investigation and in return for that, he would give him an oval meeting. That was it. And well, then there's nothing wrong with that. No, there was nothing wrong with that. But he gets impeached. Nothing. He gets impeached. Nothing. But as you know, again, thanks to the media, this thing got spun up. Rudy started adding ornaments onto the tree beyond just the restart of the investigation. And then pretty soon military aid was suspended for a period of time. Again, all of that happened outside of my personal knowledge. I was dealing okay. with someone else. I can okay? see how that could get out of control. But the military aid, look, it was reinstated. It was only a short period of time. You know Donald Trump and his concentration span. He goes in, he goes out, okay? Whatever is that's bothering him. That's an, under, that's an understatement. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you about Ukraine today. I've been supportive yes. of the Biden administration sending military and humanitarian aid to the Ukrainians. I know some of that aid is being misused because Ukraine has a long history of corruption. So I know that's happening, but I still think it's worthy to try to hurt Putin. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. In fact, I hope we double down. I hope, I hope we keep our foot on the gas. And I hope some of our friends in our party, in the Republican Party, who are a little bit further to the right than I am, don't all of a sudden embark on a path of isolationism. I mean, anyone who reads even the most rudimentary history realizes that isolationism uh, no, I, just look, spells with, with the Chinese and Taiwan and Putin himself would do this to a number of other countries, I think sane people with a vision of the world all agree that you got to stop Putin now. The book is The Envoy. The author, Gordon Sunland, who's still alive, he did write the book, and I misstated up top. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I'm enjoying reading it. So uh, thanks for coming on, Mr. Ambassador. Very kind of you. 
I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I didn't even get into this, but Biden didn't add into his deficit play that he's bringing the deficit down, the $400 billion that the Congressional Budget Office estimates would be necessary to forgive the student debt. Okay? Now, remember, that executive order is signed. That's $400 billion up spending. They didn't even add that in. And uh, because it hasn't been allocated yet. So this is what I told you on May 9th of this year about Biden's student loans. Go. My casa, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, what gives the president the authority to forgive massive amounts of student loan debt? He doesn't have the authority to do it. If he tries to do it, he'll get a, there'll be a lawsuit filed two minutes after. He doesn't have the authority to do that. He can't forgive anybody's debt. He can forgive a crime. But nobody's dead. There's no constitutional authority there. That'll be tied up in the courts for another four years. So last week we learned that uh, lawsuits are filed to stop Biden's debt forgiveness, led by Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, and South Carolina. The attorneys general in those states came together, filed them in, and it's blocked. Because it's a very simple equation. Congress is the only body in this country that can okay the spending of tax dollars. They have to vote. Congress, House and Senate, they have to pass the budgets where the money goes. The president can't do that. Now, the president can have emergency expenditures when he signs an executive order to get things rolling, like a storm or something like that. Yeah. But... In a military situation, he can do that, but he can't do this. So the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals blocked uh, on Friday, and you didn't hear this reported, I'm sure, uh, Biden's uh, debt forgiveness plan. Let's go to the border. Okay. So the fiscal year is over now, okay? 
the government doesn't run January 1st to January 1st like we do. It runs October to October. So the fiscal year 2022, the highest number of foreign nationals ever entered this country, according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Two million three hundred eighty thousand. Two million three hundred eighty thousand. Those are the people who were encountered. Don't count the people who just got away. In aggregate, since Biden's been in the Oval Office, five million foreign nationals have encountered U.S. authorities at the southern border. Five million. Far and away. Why? Because the Biden administration will not enforce immigration law. Now, we've been over this a thousand times. You want to apply for asylum, you have to uh, go to a official U.S. port of entry. Can't just wander around the desert, go, hey, I want asylum. Can't do it. That's the law. Biden won't uphold that law. It's staggering, but that's what's going on. So uh, we'll have more of this because Biden is not going to solve the border problem. In fact, Biden and the Harris, the vice president, say this. Go. We've now gotten control. For example, we have, they didn't plan for, which it comes every year, this flow, whether it's 22,000 or 10,000. They didn't have the beds that were available. We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. So what do you say? That's the president and the vice president. Biden's talking about beds. He's not talking about stopping the five million. He's like, well, we gotta get more beds. And she, Harris, is going, no problem, secure. What do you do? See, this is what I mean. If you have any kind of awareness at all, you know this administration doesn't want to solve the problem. They want an open border. Now, how could you vote for that? The unintended consequences are staggering everywhere. You know how much money that costs us, the taxpayer, to support 5 million new people who come across here? It's just, and that's why I say, you know, my liberal friends don't even talk to me about politics anymore um, because I just hit them with facts. I don't debate them. I just go boom, 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 boom. And it's like, what do we have in the dessert? It's over. It's over fast. Okay? And they don't even bother anymore. All right. Oh, and one more thing on the immigration front. There's a shift to Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua, all three communist places. So word is out, you get off that island, you come here. So uh, we're seeing a lot more foreign nationals there. Okay, so let's get into the really important stuff now. UFO sightings. So there's a website, of course, myvision.org. And it's a group of optometrists it's i it's an eye thing why they did this i have no idea but they did a survey of a thousand americans to find out about aliens not 
alien migrants, but space aliens. So according to them, and I don't believe a word of this, but I got to report this because it's out there. 78% of Americans believe in the existence of aliens. All right. 37% think U.S. scientists have already made contact with alien life. 50% say the extraterrestrials are friendly. But the other 50 say, no. (laughs) They're planning our destruction. Now, how anybody would know this, I don't know. But here's the kicker. Here are the states with the most UFO sightings. California, of course. (laughs) Florida, Washington State, Texas, New York. Here are the states with the least UFO sightings. North Dakota, South Dakota, Delaware, Wyoming, Rhode Island. Rhode Island? I I mean, I understand the Dakotas of Wyoming. It's freezing. If you're an alien and you're not coming from a cold climate, you won't be there. Go to Florida or California. Anyway, I figured you'd like to know that. Um, I do not believe in extraterrestrials because after researching Killing the Killers, my book uh, before killing the legends i mean we we got into the surveillance and the hardware and uh, the space stuff that the united states has there's no way anything out there we pick it up so then you say well they're not telling us this conspiracy stuff somebody would talk nobody can keep a secret ever much less ten thousand people So that's why I am not a believer. I've seen a lot of alien life, but it was Earth-based. Okay, Smart Life. I got a website that I just found out about yesterday because I interviewed the lady who runs it, Paula Pant. Pretty good. It's called affordanything.com. So Ms. Pant, what she does is she has a whole bunch of people asking her for financial advice on a number of different things, household financial advice, big picture stuff. And she breaks it down, all right, so that it's pretty understandable. And you can, whatever your financial concern is, you can get a, uh, a pretty good idea of what she's recommending. It's not pinheady. Afford anything, one word, affordanything.com. I say in history, October 26th. 1881, the gunfight at OK Corral. So there's been a lot of movies, like 20 movies about this. So what happened was this, that Wyatt Earp and his brothers Virgil and Morgan, along with Doc Holliday, were living in Tombstone, Arizona. Why? Because there's a big silver uh, stake discovered there. And prospectors are going to come in, a lot of money, a lot of commerce. So these four guys were basically... Uh, controlling crime in Tombstone as deputy marshals of the territory, okay, Arizona Territory. So a bunch of gangsters come in, um, and they live near Tombstone. They call themselves the outlaw cowboys, and they uh, give the Earps and Holiday a hard time. So they all go to the old Kindersley Horse Stable. That was the name of the OK Corral. And they shoot it out for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 rounds in 30 seconds. 
three of the outlaws are dead and Morgan, um, Virgil and Holiday are wounded. Wider? No. And this has become the most famous shootout in American history. And here's something else you might not know. Wyatt Earp lived to 80 years, died when he was 80, in Los Angeles. That's where he lived. So he, he got out of all of the stuff that he did pretty much unscathed. All right, we got a good mail segment and a final thought that you may want to hear. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here is the final thought of the day. The New York Yankees got waxed by the Houston Astros, and now the Astros-Phillies go to the World Series. You know, I'm a baseball guy. I like baseball. That's going to be the lowest-rated World Series ever because, I mean, both teams are good. And if you're really baseball aficionado, but it's no glamour attached to it. That's why I say that. But anyway, I went to the game on Saturday night. Oh, boy, was it bad for the Yankees. And I I got to see the Bronx. Bronx is a a place where I've spent the least amount of time in New York City. But I I, I went early, and Yankee Stadium is in the Bronx. And I, I cruise around. Mostly immigrants live in the Bronx. Um, down by the stadium. I didn't see one cop. Not one. Now, there wasn't chaos on the streets. Streets were dimly lit. If you wanted to do bad things, you could. There were narcotics around. I saw the the guys selling them. Okay, I saw it. No cops. Now, I understand the police in the Bronx are under siege. They're reactive. There's so much violence that they can't, they don't have time to stop the violence. They have to react the violence after it happened. But it was like, you know, um, this is not the way to do this. And New York City has become a very violent place, particularly if you get outside the business area of Manhattan. Now, there are safe neighborhoods, but around the stadium, dicey. Uh, Also, there weren't many, but there were a few uh, real idiots in the Yankee Stadium crowd, they were drunk. I don't understand why the stadium doesn't remove these people, why they let them curse and do vile things in front of children. Why didn't security just remove them? Obviously, they're inebriated. I, I just don't understand any of this. We need discipline and fairness in American society. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Tomorrow we will uptick our election coverage. Uh, Frank Luntz. See you then.